Good morning. Welcome to the Bethel family. I'm so glad that you've uh, chosen to be part of our online service today. Uh, I'm filling in for Pastor Ken this morning. Uh, as you know, we're currently not in our building, but our plans are to return to the building very soon, perhaps as soon as next Sunday. The elders will make a decision on that uh, soon. I'm speaking to you as may be apparent from uh, my office in my home. Uh, we had hoped to be outside, <clears throat> excuse me, but the weather is not very conducive to that. I'm glad to tell you that Pastor Ken has fully recovered from the COVID that he had and a couple of our elders and their wives who had her also recovering, if not fully recovered. So we're thanking the Lord for that. Pastor Ken's actually up north this weekend uh, preaching to a men's retreat, and he'd asked me to fill in for him. Now, you know I'm not nearly as practiced or polished as this at this as he is, and uh, in this environment, trying to speak into a camera on a video, it's even more unusual. So I hope you'll bear with me as I try to get through this. I'll probably have to depend on my notes a good deal more than he did last week. So today, uh, the message I want to talk to you about is one I've titled Dealing with Fear. The truth is we're living in a period of great turmoil. That's uh, speaking the obvious. Along with that comes a lot of fear, even among believers. You know, just to rehearse quickly a few of the things that are contributing to those fears, uh, which we all know about. Obviously, the ongoing pandemic with COVID-19. Even our president and his family and others in the White House contracted it. Our pastor and a few of our elders had it. Fortunately, they're all recovering. Not everybody does, but a lot of people do. And uh, on top of that, we have things like what's going on as we approach the, ele the election in just a few weeks. What a terrible, divided, almost rancid and hateful political situation. It's not good and it creates trouble in our hearts. There's racism in our country, of which there's been some very egregious actions in the last several months. And those have precipitated our protests, and some of those protests have devolved into riots and anarchy and things that sadden our hearts as we look at our country and our culture. People have lost jobs. Many are losing income. And we see rising health concerns, not just from COVID, but from uh, the emotional stresses this all causes, um, flus on top of it. We have increased instances of alcoholism and drug reliance and all these things. On top of that, we have weather disasters going on. And uh, on top of all that, we have our own personal family issues and concerns that every parent family deals with. So there's much in our world that could cause us to fear. Kind of feels like our world's falling apart. Um, we're certainly wondering if we'll ever get back to what we used to know of as normal, and that's not at all clear at this time. So today I want to look at two of my favorite biblical passages that deal with the issue of fear. The first is from the Psalms. It's Psalm 46, and uh, I'll read some of that. And then the second one 
is from the New Testament letter of Philippians. So let me read, pray for us first and then read from the scriptures. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your goodness to us. We rely on you. Ask you to speak to us through your word. Help me, Lord, as I try to convey that to these good people. I pray in Jesus' name. So in Psalm 46, we read these words. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Then a little later, he says, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And then he repeats those same words right at the end of the verse, of the chapter. In the middle of that psalm, he writes, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This psalm is one of three psalms, 46 through 48, that express confidence in the security of God's people in the midst of a threatening world, and we should take heart. In a few moments, we'll return to note some similarities between this psalm and what the apostle wrote to the Philippian church. So let's turn for now to that passage and let me read these verses from Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness or your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He's very close. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. These two passages, having different contexts, text and different audiences, but both are written to and for God's people. Psalm 46 is one of the seven psalms from the, quote, sons of Korah. These sons were members of the Levitical choir David had appointed, who were descendants of Korah, one of the Levites who served in the tabernacle in the wilderness. So this psalm was written for God's people, the children of Israel. And of course, the New Testament passage was written by the great apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony in Macedonia, on the north shore of the Aegean Sea. It was named after King Philip, the father of Alexander the Great. It was a prosperous city whose people were citizens of Rome. But in many places, which is true where the church was founded, the early church, and believers began to congregate, they often suffered persecution and hardship. This letter was written to people, the follow, God's people, the followers of Jesus, in the church at Philippi, God's people, a message to them. The two passages, Psalm 46 and 
this chap this passage in Philippians 4 contains some interesting common themes that I'd like to point out and take just a little time to talk about this morning. The first of these that's common is this. God is present. In Philippians 4, it said the Lord is near. In Psalm 46, it said God is an ever-present help in trouble. These words should stir us up to remember that God is with us no matter the trial, he'll never leave us or forsake us. If God were not with us, we would really be in trouble. But the truth is, God is present. Apart from the scripture's declaration of the fact, how else can we assure ourselves that God is indeed present? I want to point first to a book I read a long time ago written by Francis Schaeffer called The God Who Is There. It's a rather intellectual treatise, not an easy read necessarily, but it's an excellent read about the evidence for God and the, how we can be assured even from creation itself and other things that God really is there. We don't believe in a, a God who's a myth. He's not a fable. He's real and he is always present even when we don't sense his presence. In fact, there's a well-known poem you may know that alludes to this. It's called Footsteps in the Sand, and I'll read it to you. It says this, One night I dreamed a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed some scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you once said if I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why. When I needed you the most, why would you leave me? He whispered, My precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never ever during your trials and testings, when, I, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. While this is a poem, it does, in fact, speak a truth, the reality of God's presence. He's always there. Apart from that and, and, so, and that reality, we also remember instances in our own lives. For those of us who followed the Lord a long time, we can look back on our lives and see times when, though we were unaware of it at the moment, Later, we can see that, yes, God was there. He was guiding us. He was directing our paths. He was caring for us in ways we often did not know at the time. I can do that. I have done it. I'm sure that if you will reflect on it, you can do it as well. So we know, first and foremost, that God really is there in all our troubles and trials. There's a second common theme in these passages and it's pretty obvious. It is this. Trust God. God is trustworthy 
and we should trust him. This requires us to exercise our faith, of course. Psalm 46.2 says, Therefore we will not fear, because God is our refuge and strength, and because we know he is present, we will not fear even if the mountains fall into the sea. In many ways, in these times we live in, it feels a little like the mountains are falling into the sea, doesn't it? The troubles seem to be amassed, and they seem to keep coming on and on relentlessly. And sometimes it feels like, is there an end? The mountains feel like they have fallen into the sea. The scriptures say, rest in God, trust God, rely on him. He is trustworthy. Psalm 46 repeats this theme by, excuse me, Philippians 4, 6 repeats this uh, admonition. It says this, do not be anxious for anything, implying trust. Fear is, in fact, a major issue in all our lives. It's not only COVID-19 and all the other things that go around us. The very act of living creates anxieties, health anxieties, relationship anxieties, financial anxieties. Life is not without its troubles. It's very easy if we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed with fear. Fear itself can be a burden. So the antidote to fear is trust in God. I want to give you, refer to two or three illustrations of this. First, an Old Testament one. When David had been um, anointed by Samuel to be king, he didn't immediately rise to the throne, as we know. For a number of years, he had to flee from Saul, who was pursuing him with every intent of killing him. On two separate occasions, Saul was delivered into David's hands, once in a cave, when David was hiding in the back, and Saul had got in to relieve himself, actually, and his men encouraged David to kill Saul because saying that God had delivered him into his hands. But David, though fearful of Saul for his own life, refused to do that. He said, I won't touch the Lord's anointed. He said, I will trust God. God said he would be king. He was unwilling to take things into his own hands. In my own life, there were times when I had, there was a time when I was a, a young boy between the ages of about 12 to 14, when I suffered a great deal of anxiety, I was uh, very, very concerned that my parents would be taken from me. And because I'd heard a lot of preaching about the rapture and the second coming, I often worried that maybe I'd be left behind. And on occasions, if I came home and my parents weren't there at the time, I was extremely anxious about that. And this went on for a couple of years until finally I found relief in trusting what the Word said and that would my, my life was in God's hands. Cheryl and I have come to rely very much on a verse in the Scriptures that says this, My times are in God hand, God's hands. Uh, David said that, I believe. And it's true for all of us. He knows us from the time we're conceived to the time we go home to be with him. I take great comfort in that, knowing that he is in control, not the world, not 
the world's circumstances, not my circumstances, but God is in control. Um, the biblical answer is to an antidote to fear is very clear. Put our trust in God. He is there and he is reliable, often even when you cannot sense it. In fact, faith is probably at its strongest when you don't feel that much what you wish to feel, but you simply have to live by faith. There is another attendant truth to all of this, and that is this. In this life, we will have trouble. And in fact, unless Jesus returns, the mortality rate's 100%. Everybody dies eventually. It is possible for us to be so involved in our earthly life, so caught up in this life and in this world, that we don't think enough about the next world, about the eternal kingdom, to which those of us who know him, where our, that's where our real citizenship is. Sometimes we need to remember that our citizenship is there. We are not promised a trouble-free life. We're not even promised that things will always go the way we want them to. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. But he didn't promise everything would turn out exactly as you like it in this lifetime. The hope of the future, the hope of eternal life, the certainty of the kingdom of God and our presence with God forever, along with also all of those who know him, is a very calming and sure thing. That's where you should and can rest your hope. Finally, I want to come to the third thing these two passages share in common, and it is this. We need to guard our hearts and minds. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I don't know about you, but it's not always easy for me to be still. We live busy lives. We all have cell phones. We have constant access to the internet, to texting, to calling. The TV is ever-present. Sometimes it's very hard to be still, to think, to contemplate upon the realities of God and of eternity. And yet that's what we should do. In Philippians 4, 6 through 8, we're, we're told to think about things like this, whatever's true, noble, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Dwelling on negatives, listening to NBC or CBS or Fox News or any of the other channels where all the troubles of the current day are reviewed over and over and over again with different perspectives, often with anger, Often, some of them, many of them, seem, in fact, done deliberately to stir people up. Feeding on that constantly won't exactly calm your heart and your mind. It won't guard your heart and mind. While we need to be aware of what's going on, we should make sure we're focused on the realities of eternal truth, on God and His Word. My grandmother used to have a saying. She'd say, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. Well, that's a pretty down-home way of saying just that. You need not let your thoughts control you in the wrong way. 
can't stop a thought from entering your mind, but you can control where that thought goes after it does. In fact, you should not fixate on them. You should not um, think about them in long term when it's the wrong kind of thought. You need to deal with them. You need to dismiss them. Otherwise, they will shape who you are and they will contribute to your fears. The Bible tells us we're to take every thought captive and make obedient to Christ. That's found in 2 Corinthians 10.5. There's a truth about this. The battle of our spiritual life is fought on the battleground of our own minds. What we think about matters. It controls us. So we're to bring our thought life into captivity to Christ and His way and His words. Sometimes that may take a great deal of effort. That effort is most often seen in taking time to pray and to contemplate God's word. We cannot defeat the enemy in our own strength, but by God's grace we don't have to rely on our own strength. We must learn to rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit who lives in every believer. And that reliance is not mere passivity, it is rather actively and consciously committing our ways and thoughts to Him. So, brothers and sisters, guard your hearts and minds. So, in order to counter fear, these three spiritual truths are what we should rely on. Number one, remember, God is very near, even when you can't sense His presence. Number two, He is totally trustworthy. He will do what He says He will do even when it seems that things aren't going the way they should. And number three, remember to guard your hearts and minds that you might have peace instead of fear. Allow me to pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your trustworthiness. Thank you for giving us your spirit to enable us to live without fear as we contemplate the truths of your word and not the circumstances of our times. Amen. May God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.